Hello, welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 72. On this episode, uh, today I'll have uh, Chip Nellinger. We're going to do our After the Bell here segment and talk about the crop reports. i got Kirk Hens from Bam Weather on going to give us a rundown of what's happened with this uh, heat wave that's running across the, the middle part of the country. And always got my buddy Aaron Fennel here with me. So, Chip, let's go ahead and start with you first. The uh, crop progress report came out today, and it looks like the uh, wasn't a very positive move for the markets. No. So, um, first of all, we had a pretty ugly day in beans. Uh, the big news last week, or the hope was that we're going to get this Chinese trade situation hammered out, um, and actually the opposite happened. So, uh, we sent our trade reps uh, back from China without much of a resolution. The uh, the market really took that hard today. In the case of beans, we're down 25 and a quarter in July. Beans down 19 and a quarter in new crop November beans on the fears that uh, this is going to drag out longer. Uh, China's really been absent from export sales here recently uh, in beans and, um, you know, really hit the market hard. The funds have a long position, near record long, 180,000 contracts, and now some negative news hit the market. So that was kind of the, uh, the main feature, the main news feature of today. Corn down uh, five and a half in July, four and a half in December. The wheat market got hit pretty hard too, down 14 and three quarters in July wheat, um, down 16 and a quarter in July casey wheat. And the biggest issue there uh, is a little better chance of some rainfall in Kansas, Oklahoma. Uh, you mentioned though this afternoon, three o'clock central, uh, the market now is watching the uh, crop or planning progress report. So we came out 39% planted in corn little bit higher than the average they were looking for about 37 percent uh so we on average this time of year we're 44 percent big big uh, progress here in illinois 74 percent uh complete with corn planting in illinois as opposed to 56 on average so big big progress here however the western corn belt's lagging a little bit iowa's only at 40 they should be 48 minnesota's at nine percent they should be 44 you guys in Nebraska, uh, just a touch under at 42, should be 46. Uh, and then again, uh, South Dakota is really uh, lagging, 6% should be 33. Um, on the beans, we came in right about in line, 15% planted in beans, 14% was expected. So no big issues there. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll get an update here on, uh, on weather. So that's gonna be kind of the key over the next week to two is uh, how much rain are we going to get? Uh, that northern corn belt, I think, may have a chance of some rain. Is that going to slow them down? Or are they going to continue to plant? And uh, and then again, what do these funds do in beans? If they're just starting the process here and this China thing is scaring them uh, out of the market, there's uh, quite a bit more selling pressure to hit in this bean market, and it will spill over and uh, drag the corn lower as well. Right on. Okay, what, what, with the crop progress report that came out today, um, what part of uh, the South American crop part, did they have anything really to say about that that was going to drive markets either one way or the other? No, so that'll be Thursday. Thursday. On Thursday, we've got uh, the USDA reports, uh, 11 a.m. Central, that they'll give us an update of uh, new crop. They'll give us our first uh, snapshot of new crop, U.S. balance sheet. They'll also update South American weather. That was another thing that was maybe a little bit negative uh, to the corn market is at least a hint of some rain in some of the dry areas of Brazil. Uh, who knows whether you're gonna get that or not, but it, it spooked the market to a little bit and uh, kind of lent to a little bit of selling pressure in the corn market. Um, we did have uh, 
weak uh, crop condition report out, uh, right in line with what was expected, 34% good to excellent. Not much of a change in Oklahoma, Kansas. The, uh, the improvements came in the, uh, in the Northwest, Idaho, Washington, uh, that area um, of, uh, of the uh, wheat production area. Saw some rain and, and wheat looks good out in that part of the area. Uh, not so good in Oklahoma, Kansas uh, at, at current. All right, man. All right, Chip. If guys want to continue this conversation with you and uh, give you a shout, how would they do that? Yeah, best way is just call our office, 309-550-7213. All right, Chip. Well, we'll catch you tomorrow. And uh, till then, have a great day. And we'll talk to you tomorrow, man. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. Up next, we got Kirk Hens from BAM Weather. And um, Kirk, how you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. How are you? Not too bad. So I've been watching Twitter here, been watching some of your posts you had out there, and I saw one over the weekend that was that kind of caught my attention. You had a uh, a heat map that was going across the the corn belt through ever and through uh, the Midwest and everywhere else. It looks like there's a significant amount of heat coming through. Yeah, I, I would say at least over the next two weeks. So what's going to happen at least over the next week is the entire central U.S. is going to be well above normal. So what it also do is it will allow energy to kind of flow over top of what we call a ridge or an area of high pressure to set up across the central United States. So that is why there is some pretty significant rainfall in the forecast for, I would say, eastern Nebraska into Iowa, southeastern South Dakota, and southern Minnesota. And there's multiple rounds. There's midweek and then there's late week in the end of the weekend here. I mean, we could be talking, you know, three, four inches locally in some of these places. So we're going to be wow. dealing with a lot of warmth here across the central U.S. and then pretty good, uh, obviously pretty good precipitation chances across some of those areas that uh, Chip mentioned before that are trying to get more consistently out in the field. I think locally in some of those areas that I mentioned could be seeing some field delays out there because of that. So I see that warmth kind of continuing into the week two time frame here, kind of getting into mid-month. I think the precipitation overall kind of shifts a little bit more south into the east. Uh, but I think this heat is here, for, here to stay, and I think it pops on over into June, too. I think we're going right to winter, right into summer. That's about how it works anymore, it feels like. So what's happening down in South America? I know Argentina went from having a pretty dry spell to a pretty wet spell. So here we are uh, about a week or so after that fact. How's that look? Yeah, so Argentina is going to still get, I would say, honestly, four to six hundred percent the normal rain over the next week put that in perspective that's three to six inches of rain and that's significant because it's the dry season right now and they can't even get those soybeans a little bit of green out of the ground so not only is that going to be an issue you've got southeastern brazil and areas like mato grosso de sol brown and sao paulo areas that are big in that sabrina corn crop area they can't get a drop of rain they haven't seen rain in 45 days down there they won't see rain in the next seven days I know some other vendors out there are kind of suggesting some rains to return over the next week. Uh, a lot of times what happens is models show rain five days out, get closer, and it can't pick up on how really dry that it is, and then it just that. Saw it now. Right on. Zaps it. Same... Oh, yep, you got... oh, sorry about that. No, you're right. You're right. Right on. All right, man. So if guys want to get 
maybe check out some of the stuff that you have to offer there on your website, where would they go find you at? samples on the website contact us we're happy to help uh, i would say on behalf of you guys we'll, we'll offer anybody that's interested in a 30 percent off as well so uh, we're, we're really glad to be on all right well i man, appreciate you being on and we'll uh we'll catch you uh later in the week man all right guys all right it. thanks see ya right. <clears throat> nate wisehart the mighty powerful nate wisehart <laughs> what's up man how are you I'm good, buddy. How you doing? <clears throat> oh, fine. I, I think I downloaded like four apps before I finally got to got into your uh, Well, that's what that's what it's all about, man. Apps and and other great things that go along with those apps, <laughs> like appetizers. Appetizers. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, welcome to the Monday Rundown, or whatever you want to call this that we that we throwdown. do on Monday. Throwdown. Monday Throwdown. That we do here for for all all kinds of fun and, and what have you, but so Gina Nargis was usually with us here on Monday, but she has some more drastically more important things to do than than being on the podcast, and uh, so she's going to go out and do some social media stuff with some planters in the field and some soil warriors out there running around. So she's going to go do that. But I would like to introduce our guest Nate Weishart, which is no stranger to the show. He's been on a couple times. But uh, a little different role than you were last time you were on. Yeah, and a different logo and different state and all that fun stuff. <laughs> so you're with, uh, you were with Ernie Williams and then it was Casey Nelson. They merged together, purchased or whatever you want to call that. And then yep. you guys, uh, now you're working for Martin Sullivan. So give us a kind of a rundown of what you're doing now and, and what some of your new roles are. Okay, man. Well, let's jump right in and take a look at a few things here. So, your last position that you had when you were with uh, your former company, you really were you were you were a sales manager. You were in the day to day operations at the sales department, kind of going over what you saw happen with used equipment. So, now you went from now you're over in Illinois now. So now you're you're having a little more of a I don't know if it's probably anything different than where you were at before. I mean, I'm sure it's still corn and soybeans and all that fun yeah. stuff, but. Take, talk, talk to me about what you see happening with planting right now and what do you see happening out there with just the equipment in your area? Uh, so from what I can tell as I drive, you know, I bought, this is only the uh, second week, so as I drive from point A to point B, um, I would say they are, I mean, they're basically done around here. Um, there may be a few scragglers left, but there's, there's not a whole lot. There's emergence coming up. Um, you see pictures on Instagram, Facebook, and all that stuff, so... You can see rows as you drive down the interstate now. Um, so they'll be jumping in spring and 
just wait for it to grow more or less. Um, we got some rain in the forecast, I think, this week, so I'm sure it's gonna was mixed with some heat, so it's probably gonna explode. Um, I've mowed my yard twice in this this week or this last week, so that gives you an idea of how fast everything's growing, I guess. Right. Less less fertilizer helps that. <laughs> so you gave all the stricter in Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. So Aaron, you're on the internet. You're talking to guys all over the country right now. What are you hearing about crop, about planters and stuff like that rolling, and, and where are you seeing there? I feel like we went from snow drifts in the field to everybody's done, and the combine's greased up in like ten days. Yeah, like holy shit, guys. Yeah. You know, yep. it's kind of like we talked last week. It is just, and and not everybody has a 24-row DB90, 120, you know, right. yep. mile-wide planter. But it's just, it blows my mind how damn quick thousands and thousands and thousands of acres can get planted. Yeah. You know, um, I do know a lot of guys which which aren't your normal midnight oil guys, we're going almost around the clock just in order to maybe catch up since we had a late start. Um, and also, they've, they've seen all spring how conditions will be, hey, you know, man, it'll work great tomorrow. Oh, shit, it rained or it snowed or something. And then you start that cycle all over again. Whereas, I mean, when it was fit enough to go they were going yeah and they were not stopping at all yep. for anything yeah so there was a whole lot of ketchup done in short order yeah i know out here they're they're banging sugar beets pretty hard in the ground right now and and there's a lot of uh planters rolling right now and they're getting ready to kind of make that switch into corn right and we're probably what a week away from that if not this week probably in, in jumping into planting corn i know a lot of non-beet guys are already in corn are they okay. yeah so so that's you know i was kind of showing where that's at so that leads us into the machines that pull the, the planters around what are you seeing out in your neck of the woods nate with uh with some row crop tractors and, and some four-wheel drives okay so row crop four-wheel drives um so just the difference between two areas i, I mean i say there's not a lot of there's a lot of similarities um there's more cattle or more hay down this way where we're at now but um, up, up there you know it's just corn desert um i kind of felt like as we went into there was kind of a spurt in january where everything like you kind of felt like uh, man this is going to be a great year and then somewhere in like february and march and, and maybe it's because i was distracted with other things but it just felt like we just went and just stopped um and i, I think that uh you know up there they're negotiating cash rents People just want to start farming, and then they just kept snowing constantly. They were getting big snows up there on that Minnesota Iowa border. Um, the day that we moved, they got another foot. So, and that's not that long ago. Um, and now they're planting. So, um, it just the mood uh, was probably more weather driven, but it just you could just see the, the salesmen there. Not that their dapper was down. It just wasn't the activity that they were they're looking for. Um, how that relates to values the fact of the matter is, is that it's still get, it was at that time it's still getting harder to find you know especially up in north central Iowa there's a lot of track tractors and finding a used low hour track tractor not from Washington or Arizona or like Mississippi or somewhere weird um, 
those those were really hard to, to get their hands on. Um, so there were still still people hunting for those, and um, especially planters. Um, I mean, what, whether I'm here at Martin Sullivan or not, but or up north, there's not a lot of planters in the lots. So um, use planter demand. I think is still a, a bright spot for us. Yep. Now, I would echo all that. I mean, you take a look at our lot, what we have for used planters, the, the stuff that we haven't Frankensteined up with uh, planter, uh, precision <laughs> precision planning, you know. Um, the, the, minus that stuff, I mean, what we have in inventory is it's either it's like a 7300 or a, a older 70, 1770 or something like that. So our, uh, our used planter marketplace, we don't have that much to pick from. Right. And so it's getting to be tougher and tougher to find especially the older plan i mean a lot of guys have older planners and they're wanting to trade up to take their eight and move it into a 14 or something like that and make and make that move but kind of goes back to the dollars and cents thing of right now too i mean there's like we talked about earlier uh the 14 model 1770 planner is probably one of the most sought after planners right now you still seeing that yeah a little bit um i think it, it's hard to tell right now. Right. I got a couple guys that are, you know, put the bug in my ear that they're wanting to do something on a planner. The biggest um, thing right now is you have 360 days. Right. <laughs> until right. they have to have it. Right. So right. if you're, if your guy has a bit of, well, and the other thing, EOPs in June, mm-hmm. you know, so... You're at a point right now with planners where, unless it's an emergency, you're not going to do much at right. all. And then you're going to go into the sell new, sell new, sell new, sell new. Right. Let the dust settle. See what you got for used. Yeah. And then market the hell out of them used ones. Yeah. Um, like Nate was saying, it's it's still a good market. It's a bright spot. Um, you got to be careful just because it's a bright spot don't mean you get all batshit crazy but but uh if you got and and i think honestly you know we've had this discussion a hundred times before the planer the better on that planner you know yeah i want you know i want seed star drive ccs all that but that's it right you know take all your other shit (laughs) right there absolutely so nate Let's talk about that used planner marketplace, for example, now. So you, you're 15 was the first year to, of the high-speed exact emerge, um, 1775, yeah. you know, the five-series planner, I guess, if you want to talk about 1725s or whatever it is that you want to speak about. So now we're going to have some guys that will be running three years, maybe even four seasons on, on some of the machines that they've got. What's your feel for um, some of those 15, 16 model Exact emerge, max emerge planners coming back in, and what what do you think that used market's going to look like for those? I've only seen one traded in so far that we had up north. I, I don't know about here down in Illinois, but um, and it ran sixteen. So we re, no, it ran sixteen seventeen. I think we reconditioned the spring. Um, and it covered a lot of acres. They have two of them. Mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised the, the reconditioning bill on it. Now, maybe our, our shop we got all um, they were there aboard and they just wanted to replace parts that day. But, Surely not. I can't imagine that. Uh-uh. Where'd that you come liar. From? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I, those those are um, as a dealer as an industry, we need to keep our eyes on those, whether it's the, yeah. the precision high speed or the tier high speed. 
fewer cars, I guess you'd say, or, you know, fewer robots, fewer robots, things yep. like that. Yep. Um, so just want to be cognizant of what your expense could be when you trade them in. Yep. Um, and then as far as trading that, um, I think that one, the, we traded in pop pretty quick. Like I said, it was, the bill kind of caught us off guard, I think, because guys buying a, you know, pretty expensive used planner, and he expects it to be really, he wants it to be new is what he wants. Right. So you just got to be careful when you trade those in. That's, that's a lot of money, and you're going to plan on a lot of, your disc openers better be good, the brushes better be good, yeah. you know, just the overall, anything, bearings or any, or sorry, any bushings or anything like that, you know, it can't be sloppy. Um, just expect to put some money into it from mm-hmm. that standpoint. That's a good point. That's something I I just named, I never even thought about it. I mean, I thought about it, but never really thought about it till now. And that was the, even the guy still has a 24-row planner, he might have been running two, and now he's just running one or maybe running maybe a 16-row planner or something like that instead of two 24-rows or something like that. So like you said, same number of acres but with less number of rows, so your your wear on those on those parts are going to be you know quite a bit more significant. So your reconditioning cost will be a, will be a higher yeah, so part of that. If they're running a 36-row, they had a 36-row and they're running, whatever, 4,000 acres, and now they're running a 24-row high-speed, in theory, those row units are going over more. Mm-hmm. They're making more passes. More pass per row. Yeah. yeah. So I guess someday we'll be talking about how many passes had that planner make, make versus the acres. But, right. Um, it, it was, it's a legit thing. Yep. Until well, the, until the your, drones come. And your difference between five and a half mile an hour and nine and a half mile an hour is a lot of coefficient drag on parallel linkages and disc wear and all that. So you have to take that into effect. Aaron too. just learned that word just like right now. So he, he's not even sure what that means. So. <laughs> I don't know where it came with a coefficient drag. We had to stop at the end and increase the wedge. <laughs> Use the marketplace. So wholesale guys you talk with, um, other dealers and stuff out there, what kind of play are you getting on, on the, the five series planners? On five series plan, just talking regular fives, just seventeen, the ME5, five, ME five, ME five, a little bit. Um, you know, clean low acres. Again, base. There's, I've seen a lot of guys in the last year that want markers, right? You know, yeah, I have too, man. A lot of people ask markers. Me. Markers are hot. It's it's trendy, I guess. They just look cool, all folded up, you know. Even though you're not using them, looks like you looks like you're raising the roof. <laughs> um, that you know that that has been something popular. The uh, the exact emerge planters we've had around have get, had a lot of traction. Mm-hmm. You use the ones of oh, those. Yeah. Um, just like Nate was saying, though, they're they're. It's it's they're they're a hard thing to pinpoint as far as getting it in right, mm-hmm. not spending too much on it, and still being able to sell it because it is a high dollar use planner, um, and can it's condition I've noticed with the with the exact emerge buyer condition's a bigger deal than it is with the five e buyer right. And I think a lot of that is just price driven. Mm-hmm. You know, this twenty four row over here is one hundred and seventy five thousand. This one's one hundred twenty five thousand. Other than those meters, that's something. You know, right for that fifty thousand, that something which better be perfect. Right. Oh man, you're talking some significant cash, man. You, 
these new planters now, I don't care who, what manufacturer is doing, you're 250 up, right. depending on why you have them spec. And, and, you know, obviously row size is going to make a difference in that as well. But so you have a $250,000, $200,000, $300,000 planter. That used with coming in, even if it's half a new, you're, not, you're talking $150,000, $175,000 planter. Yeah. You lay out some cash for that, someone's going to expect that planter to be real nice, Clark. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, that, that's what we're seeing. We have a lot of demand for not even 8370Rs anymore, but the 8400R. Yeah. A lot of people looking for those. A lot of guys are out kicking tires on those, and they're and they're wanting. They're wanting. I, I think, I don't know where the the disconnect was last year when they were ordering new ones that maybe they didn't have cash or whatever it was, but now those same guys, but you're still looking at a $300,000 used tractor. You know what I mean? And but if yeah you, you are but you're as at three hundred thousand dollars on that eight R you're still as damn close to new as you can humanly possibly be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's you not know. gonna he's not gonna pull it with a one year old eighty four hundred manure tractor though. No, no, that's true. Right. That's true. That's very true. So, so now that you're on the, you've gone over to the dark side. Now you're on the parts and service side of the business, and <laughs> let's. Hey, I've defended those. So. <laughs> You have uh, the one thing I found more than anything in my years doing this is that guys wait to the last possible minute to get their planters ready, um, and you know the winter service inspection part of it. Tractors, combines are always front of mind, and then about it seems like thirty days beforehand they want to get their planter ready to go. Get, what what do you think some some options might be for a guy that want to get that their planners in the shed now and they want to get it ready uh ready to go is give me some options you might think about for a guy that wants to get their planner ready now and uh not wait till two months before next year's planting season yeah so hawkins john hawkins has done the, the show many of times him and i were just talking the other day about getting a how to answer your question about post planner inspection and service program um like on installed parts but I mean, even I got a little bit two different environments because we were used to be eight after six, seven hours north. So it's just a different environment. Everybody want to hold their planters up there because they're afraid to replant. So they, they get done planting later. The window's condensed anyway. We're down here now. Um, you probably could replant. The window was wider. Um, where you feel more confident about not having to replant. Where up in North Central Iowa, it was like there was a seemed like a two, three week period where nobody wanted to give up their planner or the planner tractor, even though we would beg for them. Um, they parked them in the shed and bury them somehow so we couldn't get to them. But um, I, I would encourage people just go, in a perfect world, you go straight from the field, straight to the dealer and have them work on it yeah. um, to, to try to, 
you know, from a dealer standpoint, you're going to be cranking on combines, especially real hard about middle of June. So um, this is kind of a small window where you can get, get their attention before everybody starts talking about harvest. Right. We're getting excited about it. Yep. Because come July is when everybody starts hitting the panic. As a dealer, you know, we start thinking about harvest July 1, and then August we start to panic about it a little bit. So by then, nobody wants to look at a planter. Um, yep. Farmer doesn't want to mess with them, and dealers too worried about combines. Right on. That's true. I don't know if I answered that whole question, but. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. So. And, and plus, if you get it, at least at a minimum, have the customer inspect it. As you guys enter into the EOP, you'll know what the damage is, whether right. it's a, a high bill or a low bill. Yep. That's what I think is the most important part of it, is just getting somebody out there to inspect that planner and starting to help develop, helping that customer make the decision they need to make about moving forward, about looking at cash flow, looking at the EOPs, looking at. The different programs that are out there um, of course we won't know those programs for a while but um, and, and no manufacturer will yet I mean they're still still waiting till midsummer to put that stuff in so um, when you look out there Aaron and, and the guys you're talking with what are some of the big kind of drivers in that reconditioning of that planter as far as what do you mean as far as just I mean right now looking at it from a time frame now I mean I know they're they're looking at I got my crop planted, waiting for harvest now. I got this little bit of a lull in between. How many of them are talking to you or mentioned to you, like maybe this would be a good time to get my planter kind of going right now? Oh, a few. Um, I would say in the last 12-month period, there was not much at all said post-planning, um, summer, fall, it was a lot of planter discussion from January 1 to March 1, mm -hmm. a lot. Um, and typically, I feel like it, there's always been more done kind of in the fall. It to, to me, it seems like when a guy's out harvesting, looking at yields and stands and all that, you know, the, the final final countdown, if you will, that that is that a planter creeps into his mind more at harvest than a lot of other times and i feel like this past year there was maybe a little less of that and at the beginning of the year as we rolled over into january there was a lot more action um a lot of la what i call last minute planter stuff mm -hmm. you know hey i'll buy that planter but can you get it here next week yeah like, mm -hmm. No. no, yeah, see how it works, isn't it? See how it works. So, one last topic here, and we'll kind of get through this one. Um, use combines. Um, your shops right now got to be busy with with get some combine work done, getting those combines ready to go uh, for harvesting that far away. What is your what's your shop kind of parts business look like, and then what do you see out there as far as used combines go? I would say from a shop perspective, I mean, just, I haven't analyzed uh, Martin Sullivan yet to figure out how many signed up and how many they've done. I saw the next, actually, hopefully tomorrow docket. But you know, what I experienced up north was um, people were, were pretty good about um, maintaining them. Um, there was a little bit more, I, last summer going into the fall, it felt like there was more resistance to fixing everything versus maybe we fix it as it breaks there, we saw maybe an uptick in that i guess what i'm trying to say mm -hmm. fixes fail 
So I'll be curious to see what uh, is in store for this summer because, you know, you rack up two years of picks as fails. You, you may get zapped um, come, come harvest time or, more importantly, when combine EOP run comes around and when people are wants to trade at the end of the year, if there's a lot of fix as fail type mentality, there's going to be some large combine reconditioning bills. So, um, but the sales department needs to be aware of and, and really you need to find out the history of what has or hasn't been done with that rig probably over the past couple of years yeah. since we traded in. Absolutely. What are you seeing out there, Aaron? A lot of the same. Um, you know, there's there's been, there's less hey, let's fix everything, and a lot more really try to squeak that through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, you know, I do a lot of leases all over the place on combines, and that's, you know, that's kind of the approach the guys take on those, like a two-year lease, you have that that first year, they fix everything, you know, let's let's make sure we get through through year two, and then I don't have to worry about it. Right. And I, you know, I think there's so much of that going on. It has a trickle effect into other areas too, because there just is not a lot of bring your combine in, do a green light, do A, B's, and C's, every single thing. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, I think we beat this one to death, fellas. So, Nate, you got any final words you want to throw out to the world before we shut it down? No. no I can think of nothing. <laughs> I'd ask Aaron the same thing, but he has zero content. We know I can add no content. Aaron, you got anything you want to throw out there? I don't. Right, I don't, man. Well, Nate, if they want to get a look up Market Mar- Martin Sullivan, how would they do that? Uh, just go to our website, martinsullivan.com. Right on. Okay, Aaron, where can they find you at on social media? Uh, on Twitter at Aaron Fennel or uh, my cell phone three zero eight. 760-1193. Right on. You can find me, Moving Iron LLC, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can also go to movingironllc.com where you can find more information about the Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas. You can also look at past and present episodes of the Moving Iron Podcast. And if you really were bored and have nothing else to do, you can read a blog that's on there. And they're just ultimately just will shape your life more than you can possibly ever imagine. <laughs> so, People still read? I think so. I mean, I think Siri will read it to you, if I remember correctly. <laughs> so, so until next time, this is Casey Seymour. Aaron Fennell. And Nate Weishart. Let's go out and move some iron. Out. <laughs>